I'm sales team turnaround specialist, Jeremy DeMerchant. And each week I bring sales leaders like you, experts and insights that will help you level up your leadership, motivate like a master, and ultimately crush your comp plan. If it's time to raise the bar on your team's performance, then it's time for Sales Team Rescue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sales Team Rescue. I am your host, Jeremy DeMerchant, and this is episode number 106. And today, we're going to talk about, it's actually a part two to the last episode. Um, Last week, we talked about how the thing that you're going to sell has to, is going to end up being the salesperson's favorite. And I shared with you that because this time of year, um, there's lots of trade shows that I can sometimes get involved in. Um, we did a little bit of a test. So me and, and uh, one of my sales guys were at a booth and we noticed that for the first show that we did, the most popular one was had two things going for it. One, it was positioned in the middle. So there was three main products that were set up, um, you know, left to right. I'm actually in a little bit of almost a semicircle. And the one that sold the most was the one in the middle. I expected, and I shared this in last week's episode, that this may have been due to the idea of what a lot of online marketers call the three-box approach. And the three-box approach simply states that when you have three boxes or three things in a line, most people will naturally go to the middle option. And the other thing that was going on, going for that, uh, the top seller, was that it was my sale guy's favorite, my sale guy's favorite. So we decided to switch it up. Now, um, two things that we did differently. One, we changed the positioning. And so uh, with this trade show, the primary product is Beard Balm. There's also a Beard Wash, uh, but Beard Balm, uh, and if you're not familiar, if you got a beard, it goes in your beard, keeps it moist, gives it some hold, etc. So we have three main scents. Uh, Black cherry tobacco was the primary one that was the top seller in show number one. Two uh, was the uh, sweet bourbon. So sweet bourbon um, is my favorite, my wife's favorite, and that was actually the number two seller. And number three is one called Backwoods. Um, and it smells very similar to um, comparable balms on the market. So it's not a, an extreme scent. It, it smells good, but it just doesn't stand out as anything extremely different. And so the, the first show, the Black Cherry Tobacco was the same, or was the popular one, and that was the one that we had in the middle. So we switched it up, and we put the bl- Black Cherry Tobacco on the outside, on the left if you were staring at the display, we put the sweet bourbon on the right, and then we put the backwoods in the center. And my sales guy um, didn't proactively say, this one is my favorite, okay? Uh, he did say that one is a crowd favorite, uh, the, the backwoods. So we wanted to give it two pieces of attention. We wanted to give it the same kind of behavior that the black cherry tobacco got in the first show. And so in the center, uh, was the black cherry tobacco, so it eyes went to it. It was still the second of the three to be um, sampled, so we put a little bit on a popsicle stick, you could smell it, um, and go through like that. And third, it was uh, it was described as a fan favorite. Okay, we use those words, fan favorite or popular with the audience. And so we wanted to see how it would impact it. And what happened was very interesting. 
the results of this little test were that our top selling one for show number two was actually the sweet bourbon. Uh, and then the black cherry tobacco was number two and the backwoods was number three. But the black cherry tobacco only beat the backwoods by one unit sold, I believe. So, um, it's very interesting. Now, we did make a mistake. Technically, if we were uh, truly testing, we'd only test one variable at a time. But I, I and then we ended up changing two because we stopped proactively offering that uh, the black cherry tobacco was my sales guy's favorite. Um, but what did happen is I was still saying as they went through the three for the sweet bourbon, and that's my wife's favorite and therefore mine. And so I think that that influence as well. So it was very interesting. Um, it, for me, it went to show, this is my unofficial perspective, but I want you to think about this when you're selling products because it can have to, it, it can impact what you do on a website page as well. Um, but this is more applicable for trade shows. What I, what I have deciphered from this experience is that the item that somebody can identify as having um, a recognizable third-party validation will typically be more intriguing or perhaps it's more it's better to say um, they'll be more trusting to buy so for example what even though we said fan favorite for the backwoods I still said and that's my wife's favorite and therefore mine to the sweet bourbon and that became our bestseller for that show so it was very interesting um and i so i think that the i don't know that the placement really made that big of a difference i think more of it was when somebody heard that you know the equivalent of a testimonial that's what impacted the most and so even though um you know when somebody says, yes, I like that, the black cherry, then my sales guy would say, yeah, that's my favorite. He wouldn't proactively offer it until somebody acknowledged it. And so I think that that's why in this case, for, for the second show, the sweet bourbon was the winner because we were still giving that third party validation, even though it wasn't in that center spot um, down the middle. Now, interestingly enough, uh, we did sell a lot more in general of the backwoods, having them be in the center spot. It just wasn't the best seller. It wasn't the second best seller. Um, and so I guess by design, that would suggest that, that may just be because we sold more for the second show. Uh, but I thought it was very interesting. So what does this mean for you? If you're watching this, uh, you don't have a trade show booth. This is what I want you to take from it. I want you to take from it that the power of testimonials, is it has a huge impact. Now, you may know that, but I want to challenge you. Throughout your client journey, where do you have the testimonials built in? What part do they play in supporting it? So, and, and the core message, I guess what I'm saying today, and I'm calling this, uh, you know, your salesperson's favorite part two, um, because it really is a segue from last week. But it's not so much your salesperson's favorite, it's that there's that version of a testimonial. Now, everything I said last week still stands. You still want your salesperson to be bought in. 
you still want them to be able to say, yes, um, you know, this is my favorite. You want them to give that support because you, I'd rather them buy one that's his favorite versus not buy at all, right? But when you're designing your website or your, your sales presentation or your customer journey, think about where the testimonials come into play. Because I believe, and um, you know, obviously my testing has not been necessarily standardized in what I did, but I believe that when you can show somebody that they're not the first in line, you can show somebody that other people have appreciated uh, this product or service, no matter what it is, right? Those testimonials are so vital to be able to get people to take action. So think about that for you, whether it's a display, whether it's um, on a website, whether it's a customer journey. Even more powerfully than the positioning, okay, I think there's still some power to the if you've got three things lined up, the attention will still go to the middle. But even more powerful than that is where somebody is giving that endorsement, that testimonial. That's the piece that I think is going to be the difference maker for almost anybody. So make sure you're tying in your testimonials, making sure that you're tying in your salesperson's story. If there's a salesperson engaged in it, I'm in the process. Make sure you know what that story is. Make sure you know that it fits and let them tell it. But also consider which story um, they're telling you, which product you wanna, you wanna focus on, right? If there's a specific product you wanna focus on, then whether it's your salesperson's favorite or not, just make sure that you're in a place where you can have some type of third party testimonial about it. Even if it's your salesperson telling a story about somebody else. Okay, most of my story for the Sweet Bourbon was about how my wife loved it. And I've got a really great story that goes with it, so it's very intriguing. Um, make sure that you've got something. It can be video, it can be case study, it can be whatever, but have those in place for your products. And then if all else is equal, then it's just down to somebody's individual decision. Um, and maybe at that point, the positioning on the page or on the table or however it is, maybe that does make a difference. I just don't have enough data to back that up entirely yet. Okay. So to summarize, although this is titled your salesperson's favorite, it's not necessarily your salesperson's favorite, but you need to be able to have some type of true story about the success or positive effect of your product or service. You need to tell that story and it works not only in, you know, trade show sales, although if you have a trade show booth, keep this in mind, think about it. People are looking for direction. People want to make buying simple. If there's too many choices, people don't buy. So if you want to drive something, you can just do it for fun. You know, assuming that you're not going to give them a product that's going to hurt them, right? You always want to give somebody the, the thing that's best for them. But if all things are equal, like a beard balm, uh, one cent versus another cent's not going to make a difference um, if they feel that the one that they're buying is a scent that they like, or if there's not going to be any harm. So you can you could play and you know make a game of it. Hey, now let's see if we can push the backwoods versus the black cherry tobacco versus the sweet bourbon. Um, or in our case, also the beard wash we could push, which I haven't really talked about because it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't really a key part of the display. It was almost actually added in kind of like a package deal. So 
Uh, with that being said, make sure you're aware of your testimonials, where, where your stories are, where your case studies are. Make sure they're visible. Make sure people see them. If you do have a booth, um, think about your display as well, but tell stories about specific things. Tell stories about the products. Tell stories that bring people in because people don't want to feel like they're the first. Um, I'll give another example. Under my Christmas tree right now, I do know one of my presents. Um, and it is a really nice clock handmade um, by a company here in Fredericton. Um, and it's got stainless steel on one side and copper on the other. And it's a shield. And um, I think a sword, maybe. And I was intrigued by the design. But then the guy said that it represented the battle against time. And I fell in love with it. There was a story to it now. It wasn't just a clock that was in the shape of a shield. Um, and I think it had a sword. I don't remember. It's, it's wrapped under the tree now. Uh, but it was a, it, that story was a key piece of me pulling the trigger. I was stuck and I was, I was on the verge of not buying because none of the designs alone stood out to get my attention. They're all custom-made signs, like they're, or, or clocks, sorry. So they're, they're very unique, um, very beautiful, but nothing spoke to me. And then I heard the story and I went, oh, that's me. So stories, testimonials, third party validation, that is the secret sauce to making sales. And if you're doing it over the holiday season, come up with stories about why um, somebody bought something or what happened after they bought something. Have these stories in your back pocket, make people, uh, give, give them reasons to uh, to buy more even. So I'll give another example. Sorry, and I meant to <laughs> wrap this up quickly, but the the other thing we did at the show is we had a, a promotion on that was just for the show. And uh, it was buy three, get one free. So this is only at the show. Um, if you happen to be seeing this and you, uh, you are attending the show that I'm doing uh, this coming weekend, that will also be available at the show then. But what we did is instead of saying just mix and match, we just say you can mix and match, but then we throw in a recommendation. We will say, um, you know, buy three, get one free. Well, that seems like a lot of, of beard bombs. So we say, well, look, what a lot of people do is, we would say, if you've got two people to buy for, choose a beard bomb and get them a, a bottle of the beard wash. And, you know, you get a hundred dollar value for $75. And suddenly those packages started moving like crazy. So it gave us, uh, you know, we, we moved a lot more product and people spent more. They spent probably three times what they would have otherwise done, right? They might've bought in a single bomb. And as soon, and even if they were going to buy two, if I can say buy three, get one free, that but moving a little bit more to buy that third, well, pay the extra $25 is not a big stretch when you feel like you're essentially I'm getting an extra $25 free on top of it. It's almost like it's a wash. No pun intended with the beard wash. <laughs> we'll call that the end of my, my bad joke day. Uh, so, so keep that in mind. Um, use stories, use examples, tell them what other people have done to help them move forward and buy more. The more product you can get into somebody's hands, the greater experience you have the opportunity for them to create. And again, applies to service, applies to products, applies to digital things, it applies to everything. Do what you can to create as positive an experience as possible, but before that happens, somebody has to, has to, has to, has to, have your product or service and purchased it. Okay guys, so that is it for today. 
That is episode number 106 of Sales Team Rescue. Again, I'm your host, Jeremy DeMerchant. And if you are wondering if you're ready to build out a sales team or want to improve your sales process, go to salesteamrescue.com and book a complimentary call with me. We can talk through it, see where you're at, see if you're a fit. Um, also, if you want other episodes of the show, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're catching it on the podcast, um, you can catch all the other episodes at salesteamrescue.com as well. All right, guys. So to my American friends, if you were seeing this in time, uh, happy Thanksgiving. And uh, to everybody, happy holidays as we're getting to that time of season. I will see you right here next week at 2 p.m. Eastern on Headspace TV. Cheers, guys. Thanks for joining me. Let's keep the conversation going. You can find more episodes and a link to join our online community over at salesteamrescue.com. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe and give the show a review to help us reach more sales leaders like you. If you'd like our support in creating your own high-performance sales team, book a call with us at salesteamrescue.com.